0: are in the information age, but facts are in short supply.
1: Reject the noise, ask bold questions, and pursue the truth. With FBI whistleblowers and founding suspendables, Garrett O'Boyle and Steve Friend, this is the American Radicals Podcast.
0: It is the American Radicals Podcast. Today's Saturday, folks. It's noon Eastern. We're glad to have you with us on Rumble, rumble.com slash was looking at the chat people are in there early we love to see it we love to see the number of people that are tracking on this show continue to grow day by day we're getting up there folks we love it uh, while you're there make sure you follow the show give us a thumbs up if you listen to the podcast and itunes or spotify or iheart any one of those services subscribe to the show so make sure that we get the the new episodes as we drop them and we drop a new episode every tuesday thursday saturday at 12 eastern time but Saturday is always fun. I know we went into some history last Saturday, and there was some requests for more of that. And we're going to do more of that, sort of in the Amrad fashion, where we try to connect things that might be going on in the uh, in, in the current news with uh, a historical context to it. And that's going to happen this week. This week being a remembrance of Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, And it has a special place to me because my birthday is August 28th, and that is the anniversary of the I Have a Dream speech. And I know it has a special place in Garrett and all the suspendables because of the training that we received at the FBI where we went to the MLK Memorial, and the purpose of the trip was to Learn to throw the flag when you see what is wrong, so that's why we're going to bring on Gob, actual Garrett O'Boyle, right now to lead us in a historical discussion of what the FBI really did uh, back when uh, when MLK was uh, at his at his zenith, was at at the height of the civil rights movement. Garrett, great to see you on a Saturday, and I'm excited to uh, to actually let you steer the ship here a little bit.
1: Yeah, I'm pumped uh, to be here, of course. And thanks, everybody, for joining us today. And and yeah, uh, some of the stuff we're going to get into, like Steve mentioned, it has its roots in, well, I guess not even just growing up in America. Uh, you know, we all learned a little bit about Martin Luther King in in school. But uh, honestly, in government indoctrination camps, they don't really teach you that much. And they don't teach you a ton of the history that is is important. And Steve mentioned our trip to the martin luther king memorial uh in dc and for me that came on the heels of just exiting the holocaust memorial museum which you all know is is near and dear to our hearts as well i don't know if it was different during steve's time i imagine it was probably pretty similar you go through the holocaust museum and then afterwards you go through the mlk memorial and some of the stuff we're going to get into today i was not aware of back then a lot of it i actually learned uh last year shortly after being suspended you know finding some extra time on my hands and I was digging into FBI history and I started to uncover a lot of what we're going to get into today we probably are only going to scratch the surface I hope a lot of this is new information for for you all but um what prompted me last year and again what kind of prompted this episode this year is a tweet that the FBI put out and I'm going to pull that up here and 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 show it to you all as well. It says this hashtag MLK Day. The FBI honors one of the most prominent leaders of the civil rights movement and reaffirms its commitment to Dr. King's legacy of fairness and equal justice for all. This year, in the wake of Elon taking over and having a little more control over what's happening, there they got uh, community noted, and it said the FBI engaged in surveillance of King, attempted to discredit him and use manipulation tactics to influence him to stop organizing. King's family believed the FBI was responsible for his death. So all of those things from the community note is true. And we're going to get into some of those as we go. But uh, Steve mentioned the, I have a dream speech. So we're going to start with just a little bit of that because I think it is powerful. And I think it's important to American history. It's important to equality and fairness and justice And for all his sins, which we'll talk about some of them, Martin Luther King Jr. had a pivotal role in bringing at least racial equality to an America that really was evil in how it treated certain segments of society. It's not okay for a country or a a type of race or type of person to, to belittle, demean, or ostracize other people because of their skin. And that is is solidified in, Stephen, Stephen, my uh, biblical worldview. And it should be solidified in er in everybody's worldview, just from a simple uh, sense of morality. But uh, before I get going off on too much of a tangent on that, let's just hear from Dr. King briefly.
0: My four little children...
1: We'll one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character i have a dream today it became so as you as you see uh in that in that video or maybe it was covered by our little amrad logo um this comes from a documentary on youtube we'll be pulling a couple other clips from there as we go but um it it's it's it gets into Hoover's really uh, targeting of Martin Luther King. And, you know, this speech, as Steve mentioned, happened in the 60s. And before we get a little bit more into the history of what was happening during that time, I think it's important that we we talk about Hoover a little bit and, and how he got to a point of such power and such gravitas inside of... The united states government and so things were kind of different back back when hoover got involved in government he got involved with the fbi before it was even known as the fbi and he rose through the ranks pretty rapidly and uh by the by like 1920 he already had a firm aversion to the communist threat as it was called in in america at the time and He continued to rise through the ranks. Eventually, the FBI changes its name to the FBI. It was known as a couple different things prior, uh, since its inception in 1908. But uh, all along during Hoover's tenure, he had this hatred for, for communists. And eventually, he was able to point to Martin Luther King as a communist, or he tried to at least because of one of Martin Luther King Jr.'s Uh, confidants and friends, a guy named Stanley Levinson, who was tied to the Communist Party. And so for about, I don't know, roughly 30 years of, actually going on 40 years of J. Edgar Hoover's tenure inside the FBI, he was heavily focused on on communism. And he played a hand because of his high position. He wasn't quite the director of the FBI yet, but in, in 1920, there was an event called the Palmer Raids, or you might have heard of it called the Red Raids. And um, it was, uh, it, it was basically hunting down communists all across the country. And eventually, one in 10 of those communists were deported. And oftentimes, it was basically without legal justification, but the way the laws were back then the government and the fbi they were like oh whatever uh, even though we don't really have much to hold these people on we arrested them in this roundup of communists or people we think are communists and so we're just going to deport them and so they did
0: um i, th- I think well, it's also this is something that uh, we're actually going to have him as a guest next saturday jay michael waller who just published a book called uh, big intel and he discussed that basically j edgar hoover when he was initially in charge of the Bureau of Investigations before it became the Federal Bureau of Investigations, he always saw himself as an Intel guy. He was doing counterintelligence and and he was a communist hunter. He wanted to to infiltrate how he could. And he wasn't really a lawman, didn't see himself as a lawman and then just but because of the growth, the natural outgrowth of the FBI, and when they got a little bit more power given to them, when Congress passed some some laws, they had some teeth to them, and then they had the gun. Actually, the the, the authority of the gun, the ability to take someone's freedom away, uh, and actually do that, as opposed to just maybe deport them if they were a an in, illegal in, in alien uh, with with sentiments for for communism in Eastern Europe, then they would just deport them. But when there was the actual ability to uh, to per- incarcerate someone, that's when later on that J. Edgar Hoover became known as this America's lawman, But at his core, in his heart of hearts, he was always a, a counterintelligence guy.
1: Yep. And uh, Steve's Steve's right about that. And to kind of further bolster that point, I'll show you guys this book here. It's called Enemies, A History of the FBI by a guy named Tim Wiener. He wrote a similar book about the CIA. Uh, this book was published in 2012. So it's a little bit out of date, but he does go through the history of the FBI, basically from its inception to post 9-11. and it's worth your time. It's worth it's worth the read. Uh, maybe eventually we'll do a deep a deeper dive in just this book, or maybe uh, Steve's follow on best selling book will be kind of an updated version of of enemies uh, because <laughs> we certainly are in a, a new era where it, it, it does need to be updated and another deep dive into things that have happened uh since 2012 or other things that have been discovered uh need to be unearthed even more
0: i hope you did not just speak into existence the fact that now i have to sit down and write a book but <laughs> now at least i have some uh some references i can actually uh, call you up and say hey, garrett give me a chapter and maybe maybe put it all together uh, yeah. before you go into actually the 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 historical context of it, i i am curious about your thoughts you mentioned going to the training uh this is something that we've cited repeatedly uh, the Holocaust training is fantastic. I thought that that was really well done. I wished it was longer because the, the obviously just the Holocaust Memorial Museum is you could be there for days, but we were there for, for about sure. like five, six hours. Yeah. And then I felt like later in the day was when we went to the MLK Memorial and it was sort of just like an also run thing. We were there for like an hour. They, they said, go pick a quote that's up on the wall and say why it's important to you. And I mean, there's like half a dozen quotes and there was 50 people. So, I mean, it's just repeat after repeat. So. It, to me, it was almost uh, it was perfect FBI. So the allegation, because the Holocaust is in Europe, but the persecution of of African Americans is an American experience. It's in our history. And obviously, MLK in the 60s pushing back on that. Th- that's within our own history books. So that's a scar on us. And the the perfect FBI response whenever they there is malfeasance on their part is we just have to have training. We could say we, we trained everyone. And the training is read uh, an article about Emmett Till, read letters from a Birmingham jail, and then go to the MLK Memorial for 60 minutes and voila, you're good. You're 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 administratively pure. I mean, it's no different than saying, "Well, you can't call me a racist. I have a black friend."
1: Right, and that's funny because you went through. When did you go through Quantico? Like twenty thirteen?
0: A fort class 14 too
1: Yeah. So by the time I went through in twenty eighteen, it had not changed at all. It, it was the same uh kind of a bookend on the day. Like, hey, the bus is pulling to the front where they dropped you off, and. For me, like coming out of the the Holocaust Memorial Museum, you know, I was kind of spent, like, because I took it seriously because I thought it was a serious thing. I think the Holocaust is a very serious thing. And I'm grateful that we have a museum to it in this country. If any, if you ever go to Washington, D.C., it's probably my only must. Like, you must go to that museum and you must take it seriously. And yeah, we only had a few hours in there. I didn't want to leave as 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 taxing as it was, um, i I didn't I didn't want to leave. I wanted more to to really solidify, like our role as law enforcers to not go down this path, to do everything we can to avoid human nature. Human nature is wicked and vile, man. And I was reminded of that uh, when I was stuck in Chicago last week or whenever that was, with the snow and everything, just how people were, just to try to get on a plane, and it's like no wonder the Holocaust happened. You people, you're wicked and, and vile. Like you're you're gonna do what you're told because self comes first, and you're gonna do what you want because self comes first, and that was all very clear with Hoover, that was all very clear with the FBI back then, and I think it's very clear today as well. Um, but yeah, we same thing, grab a quote. And then you get back to the class the next day or whatever. Then it's uh, read about Emmett Till or a letter from a Birmingham jail, and I think all of those things are actually important, uh, even from a law enforcement context, to dig into and to dive into. Because, like, think of MLK. There's a you can find the booking photo of when he was arrested in Birmingham. Like, he he was doing, he he was doing what he should have been doing as a minister, as a pastor in this country, saying, "Hey, our government." Is going against God. And so my role is to intervene here. It's it's the doctrine of the lesser magistrate, which we've touched on before. Um, where you interpose on behalf of people who are being wronged. And when a government is going against God's ordained dictates about how to treat other humans, then yeah, you you should intervene. And he engaged in in um in peaceful protest and was arrested for it because it was illegal.
0: He's doing the right thing at the right time, in the for the right reason, and in the right way. And because there was push for violence, obviously from from Malcolm X before he kind of had a, a a changing of his mentality. But yeah. for always, it was MLK was the peaceful resolution person. So doing it the right way, it, it meets the, the suspendable threshold. Um, but I don't think we dare to compare ourselves to MLK. We'll we'll just <laughs> say that for we sure. we try to embody yeah. those sorts of things ourselves. The standard that he set. Definitely. And I
1: realized when I first tried to play this clip, I cut off the most important part. So before, before I go back to Hoover, I'm going to play this one more time. And uh, it's, it's just a little touch from, from Hoover's, not from Hoover, from, from, from MLK's um, I have a dream speech and sorry, I uh, I know I'm, I'm not as good at, at handling the, 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 the uh, board here
0: a dream my four little children
1: will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character i have a dream today and you know that whole speech it's worth revisiting and and listening to because it, it is powerful man and when, when I hear him say I have a dream today that my children my four children you know and I think of my daughters man I think of your sons and maybe it's not a civil rights movement regarding race like it was for for Martin Luther King and people of that day but a lot of the same really just sinful human nature I think is at play and it it, it makes me kind of sad for my kids to to think about like the future that they're going to grow up in and and the America they're going to have. But at the same time, it's encouraging because there are people who do speak out and speak up and, and stand up for what's right. You know, like you said, maybe not on the level of MLK, certainly not us. Uh, We're doing our little part. We have our little piece of the pie here, but um, a lot of the same problems, uh, or at least the root problems still exist in human nature And it's important for all of us to work together to try to to root them out. And when it comes to like an MLK, when the government is breathing down his neck like they were and doing the things that they were doing to him, it's imperative all the more to stand up and speak out. And, you know, you mentioned how Hoover um, looked at himself as like an intel person. And he, he was like, that's, that was his whole goal, his whole goal. And he, he had this feud with the CIA even back then. And I think the FBI is there again. It's, it's this intelligence gathering. We talk about it all the time. How after nine 11 it, 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 you know, took a nosedive into the Intel world. And that's what Hoover always wanted, you know, and, and he got his dream, even, even though he's in the grave, I'm, I'm going to just pull from this enemies book by Tim Wiener. Uh, so there was an operation called Solo, and this was like a, basically an a communist related um, op. And in the late 50s, uh, Hoover said this after being, you know, he, he got to a point where they had some informants who were really high up in the Communist Party and they were informing like right to Hoover. And so then he was informing like right to the president and uh, the attorney general and things like that. And so in like 1958, he says, I flatly refuse to disclose the disclosure, which that's kind of redundant, but that's what he said. To to disclose the disclosure of the informant, irrespective of any fits Alan Dulles or anyone else throws. And so he flat out says, like, I don't even care if it's good for the country. This is essentially what he's saying. I don't care even if it's good for the country. I'm not going to share information with the CIA because it's a power struggle, because he's a bureaucrat, because he wants the power. He wants the control. What do you think about that, and in, in, in related to today's FBI, Steve?
0: Uh, well, I think that there was that that Chinese wall that they were always pushing back on after September 11th, where they're like, we need to have a firm separation between these two agencies, and now it's all about liaisoning and commingling it all together. Uh, but it's because they've done that 180 and they've gone all in on it. It's it's a problem because there are two very different functions that they're supposed to be filling. The CIA has a is a foreign intelligence agency. That's its role. Now, the, the tradecraft that they have might have some skill sets that they could maybe bring over to the FBI. But as far as doing a law enforcement investigation or a, even a counterterrorism, national security type of investigation where you have to play within the rules of constitutional protections and due processes that all people are supposed to be entitled to, whereas the CIA, they're operating outside the country. They don't have to acknowledge or respect those rules. They don't mesh well at all. But now, because we're all one big happy family, why don't you give us the skill set and why don't you give us access to the tools? Which is something that I've been sort of doing as research about, where it was in the very tail end of the Obama administration, where they opened up the NSA's databases to law enforcement agencies like the FBI, whereas opposed to where the NSA uh, would have intelligence and say, you know, if I'm an NSA guy and you're an FBI guy, Garrett, maybe you should investigate John Doe over there. And that would basically be the end of it. And it would be up to you to do it the right way then. Uh, But now you can just go and look at what's in my files and then do a parallel construction and work backwards to having it, which is not in keeping with the way we traditionally do law enforcement.
1: Exactly. And and that, so think of this too. So this is all, this is basically in large part, Because of what the FBI was doing to MLK is why we now are at that point where an NSA guy might go to an FBI agent and say, hey, you might want to look at this guy. And oh, by the way, you also now have access to our files to look because in the wake of 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 the civil rights movement, in the wake of Martin Luther King's assassination. A a couple years later, so Martin MLK was assassinated in 68, in 71 a group of people broke into a small FBI office in Pennsylvania and that's where we first learned of COINTELPRO. Pro. So that's the shorthand version of what the FBI under Hoover called the counterintelligence program. And guess what, there's a whole counterintelligence division in the FBI today. Um but with COINTELPRO, Pro um that's where we first heard or learned of some of these files that they had on MLK and on communists and on other groups that were deemed um, dissident. So, you know, if, if these suspendables were around in, in 1971, you probably would have heard of us in, in, a, in an FBI file that these burglars found. But um, one of these documents that that was found came, uh, well, it was disseminated. Uh, the day after the I Have a Dream speech. And I'll pull it up here and I'll just read. It's kind of small on the screen, so I'll just read the whole thing, especially for people who might just be listening. This came on August 30th, so I guess two days after after the I Have a Dream speech. It came from Mr. W.C. Sullivan, who was the number two in command uh, under Hoover of the FBI at the time. And it says, reference is made to the enclosed material on which the director has written this memo reminds me vividly of those i received when castro took over cuba you contended then that castro and his cohorts were not communists and not influenced by communists time alone proved you wrong i for one can't ignore the memos re king at all as having only an infinitesimal effect on the efforts to exploit the american negro by the communists The director is correct. We were completely wrong about believing the evidence was not sufficient to determine some years ago that Fidel Castro was not a communist or under communist influence on investigating and writing about communism. And though American Negro, we had better remember this and profit by the lesson it should teach us. I do think that much of the difficulty relating to the memorandum rightly questioned by the director is to be found centered in the word influence. We do not have, and no government agency or private organization has any yardstick which can accurately measure influence in this particular context, even when we know it does not exist such as in the case of the obvious influence of over Martin Luther King and King's influence over other Negro leaders. Personally, I believe in the light of King's powerful demagogic speech yesterday, he stands head and shoulders over all other Negro leaders put together when it comes to influencing great masses of Negroes. We must mark him now. This is the part I'll I'll ad lib here a little bit. This is the part that really stands out. We must mark him now if we have not done so before as the most dangerous Negro of the future in this nation from the standpoint of communism, the Negro and national security. So I'll stop there. There's one more paragraph, but that's really the part I want to hone in on because of the, I guess, overt um, type of targeting that they're doing in the wake of that powerful, powerful speech that pretty much anybody in America and probably most people in the world know of to some degree.
0: You know, I'm I'm actually this is gonna sound kind of crazy, but I when you hear that they need to mark him and the assumption that they're making of well, he might have a very powerful speech uh for that has a, a light to it that's it's going to um lead us to something good. But he is now elevated to a point where should he go wrong, he will have an enormous power for, for, for ill because of that. And it's it's almost the uh I was just Thinking about it because i was just recently watching it with my kids it's the batman versus superman uh plumb line of the film and batman says uh, yeah superman's done all this good stuff but he's so powerful what if he ever goes if there's a one percent chance that he goes bad think of the 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 damage that he could bring down on us so i have to kill him yeah and, <laughs> and that's that's really what Batman's motivated in that movie. Um, so e- even if these guys are not racist and they are not supporting, we're going to keep an entire uh, segment of the population under persecution and deprive them of their liberties, even if they are just, hey, we want to keep the peace and that they're still assuming as as uh, government has is doing on an increasing basis, they're assuming that you're going to do wrong. We can't let you have a gun because you might use it for something bad. We can't let you become elevated uh in the hearts and minds of people as a thought leader for something that's leading the country in the right direction because you might do something wrong then. They have to always look to us to be leading the the, the nation, to, to to look to us for answers. You could be providing misinformation, disinformation, malinformation. You have to look to the government to, you know, stay home, stay safe, put a diaper on your face, take a experimental mrna vaccine to i don't know keep getting the exact same chest cold it's the same story over and over again i would say it's the same tune the lyrics change from verse to verse but it's the same story Mm -hmm.
1: and also you know they might say well you know you might go off the rails now they even say well you as the leader well you we're gonna paint you as being off the rails or going off the rails or potentially going off the rails But the people who follow you, they definitely are. So we can't let you speak because of what they might do. And it's like, it just is, this is, you see this in in any totalitarian regime over history. You can point to any number. I mean, we can point to Nazi Germany. We were talking about the Holocaust Museum. We can point to Romania and the Romanian revolution. We can point to Poland when they were under communist threat. Um, I think of you were on Dan Bongino, I don't know, a while, a while back, but the same episode, he had uh, a guy who ended up becoming a a Navy SEAL. I'm forgetting his name right now, but he was from Poland and he got incarcerated there because he was helping spread what they would call today misinformation. He was publishing like little, little newspapers and helping disseminate those around. And he got incarcerated for that when he was like a teenager uh, under communist rule in Poland. And it's like, I'm worried for America because we're, we're on this precipice where, or at least getting closer and closer, if we're not to, to a precipice yet, of where the government wants to clamp down entirely on on speech. And in the alleged land of the free, that's very problematic. It's one of the reasons why we're talking about MLK today, because they wanted to clamp down on his speech. And he was such a force, as that memo even indicated, he was such a powerful leader and force that they were kind of getting to a point where they're like, oh crap, what, what do we do? How do we stop this guy? And Hoover, not only did he hate the communists, he probably was a white supremacist and, and hated Martin Luther King because he was black. I mean, which even that, and this guy led the FBI for like 40 years, like, it's just insane. And I know people will point to, to the FBI then and say, oh, well, it's changed. Well, has it I, I would I would posit that it that it really has not in in many ways
0: well, well I mean and now they have enhanced tools and abilities to do things that somebody like Jager Hoover would have just had a wet dream about if he was you know he was he was actually quite restrained by comparison to what they have today revealed this week that the FBI essentially is deputizing these banks to go through uh and look through people's purchase history and say well were you shopping at Cabela's or Bass Pro or did you buy a Bible or did you buy anything related to Trump or MAGA? And, and they're going to pull that information out. And they're able to do that with just a couple of keystrokes rather than, you know, you talked about like the FBI had a file on Martin Luther King. It was an actual physical paper file. Right.
1: Yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like that's, but we say files now, and it's just move the the mouse and, and click up, and you have a infinitely more uh, information at your fingertips, and you can pull it up so quickly. I mean, Hoover was able to, uh, to, make himself really uh useful in in the origin to become director of the uh, ultimately the fbi because he knew how to use information physically to actually go to the library of congress and he understood the 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 very rudimentary databases of the day which were actual physical files and he could do that faster than anybody else and that was sort of his uh, he was a savant at that and that was really what got him to elevate uh, amongst other things
1: yeah yeah for sure and and even think think of like that memo i read from that memo was disseminated across the view, But guess how it went out? You know, like telegraph and snail mail. Like it, it wasn't just, "Hey, let me hit you up on the internal instant messenger and tell you to look up this file," or let me email it to you. Like these things are are transported and disseminated at the speed of light now. Like it's, yeah, the uh, the tools that the FBI has at, at their fingertips today. Yeah, it would combine with the 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 intelligence directive like it's it's literally hoover's wet dream coming true and you know i I wonder how much of his legacy played a role in the bureau grasping some of this power in the future after his after his death and you know after him no longer being uh the director but i guess to bring it into to modern day a little bit more this week rfk jr which honestly like as a presidential candidate, I, I like a lot of his platform, not all of it. Uh, there's some that I'm adamantly opposed to, but, uh, one thing that, that stood out to me this week was, was his, his defense of his dad and his uncle wiretapping Martin Luther King Jr. So I guess before we get, before we get to, to RFK Jr. Um, eventually the, It was Hoover. Eventually, Hoover went to the attorney general, who was Robert Kennedy, and then they went to JFK, who was the president, and Hoover basically made this case for kind of stemming from that memo that we read from from Mr. Sullivan, that MLK is such a threat that we got to wiretap him. But back then, you didn't have to get a warrant for a wiretap. You just had to get the attorney general to sign off on it. And Hoover did, and RFK Jr. uh, defended that this week, and he said they were betting not only on the civil rights movement, but their own careers, and they knew that Hoover was out to ruin King, said Robert Kennedy Jr., referring to J. Edgar Hoover, the FBI director at the time. Then he goes on to say, quote, there was good reason for them doing that at the time because J. Edgar Hoover was out to destroy Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement, And Hoover said to them that Martin Luther King's chief was a communist. My father gave permission to Hoover to wiretap them so he could prove that his suspicions about King were either right or wrong, he continued. I think politically they had to do it. And I think that's a horrible, horrible, horrible take.
0: (laughs) We We need to use the most invasive tool that we have as a law enforcement agency to prove you didn't do the crime. That, that that's a that's what we're going to use, which is laughable by by any standards that uh, anybody has of what what actual due process entitles you to. I mean, there was a bank that was robbed down the street. Uh, I need to disprove that you did it, Garrett. So let me let me listen in on your phone calls right now. And if you happen to say something that relates to another crime, then well, wow, I'll just have to spin something up off of that, especially now where you have, I'm going to spin an intelligence investigation off of it where I don't even have to respect the, the, the regular processes and, uh, and rules of law that we have for a criminal investigation. And that this, this is that kernel uh, that then, that the seed that gets planted and then out of it is, is the behemoth that has now grown into where we're seeing this domestic intelligence agency with guns.
1: Yeah, for sure. And this will probably come as no surprise to anybody listening. I know it won't come as a surprise to you, Steve, but the FBI tapped. So they ended up getting their approval. Uh, I want to say in 61, I'm forgetting now if it was 61 or 62, it was certainly by 1962. uh, They had the wiretap authorization, but let me touch on RFK Jr.'s comment (laughs) again, real quick. He says there was good reason for them at the time because they like oh dude it just is so crazy that he says my father gave permission to hoover to wiretap them so he could prove that his suspicions were right or wrong that is not how it's supposed to work in the land of the free like you don't wiretap somebody's phone so you can prove well hey maybe 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 he's wrong his suspicions are wrong so let's wiretap the phone and uh and prove him wrong like it just is an absurd take um but they got the wiretap uh and this is the thing too so back then you know, I mentioned you had to get the AG to sign off on it. There was no judge involved. Like there was, there was no process like you see today to to do this type of thing. And like Steve mentioned, it's, it's the most, one of the most invasive steps you can do. And so I'm going to go back to, uh, enemies, uh, the, the book it says on June 11th, 1962, the FBI's bugs picked up the baritone voice of martin luther king jr he was visiting stanley levison if you recall that's the guy i mentioned who the FBI said oh this guy's the commie he's a communist uh that's infiltrated and it has martin luther king's ear and so because he was a communist martin luther king's a communist so we got to investigate and so it says he was visiting levison at his office on 39th street in manhattan their conversation got the attorney general's attention rfk knew much more about his surveillance than he ever admitted He personally renewed his authorization for the taps on Levison's office, and he approved Hoover's request to tap Levison's home phone. So this is where I'm getting at. So they got the approval to tap MLK's home phone. Now they got the approval to tap Levison's home phone. And it says where King called late at night several times a week. The FBI began gaining insights, shared freely with the White House and the Justice Department into the hopes, fears and dreams of Dr. King. The bureau had identified an aide to Levison named Jack Odell as a suspected source of communist influence inside the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. So the SCLC, that was what Martin Luther King uh, basically headed up, kind of like his organization, or you know whatever you would want to call it, uh, where that he was kind of the figurehead of that spearheaded uh, his whole role in the civil rights movement. Uh, going on, it says. Hoover cited the twin specters of Levison and Odell as the justification for an open ended investigation of King's headquarters and aides in Atlanta. Robert Kennedy now agreed with Hoover's surmise that Levison was a red Svengali swaying the Reverend Dr. King. Levison influenced him. Their goals were identical, really, I suppose. Uh, that's a quote from, from RFK, uh, Sr. And then it says Hoover commanded the FBI in Atlanta and New York to open a new case. It was captioned communist infiltration of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference shorthand inside the FBI as common fill slash SCLC, a full-scale, full field investigation of communism at the center of the civil rights movement.
0: I'm thinking I'm they're they're opening up this open-ended investigation. Uh in their their in RFK Junior's justification was, well, they had they could have disproven it too. And you think of having that sort of wide latitude to conduct such an invasive, uh, and unconstitutional query into somebody's private privacy, um, and compare it to crossfire hurricane where those guys actually had to lie on, on documents to, that they gave to the, the FISA courts. And they had to manipulate that in order to basically do the same thing, to spy on a presidential campaign, but they were having to lie. So at least there's a trail there, theoretically, if anybody was so inclined or energetic enough to do it, to, say, well, you were responsible for lying and you were responsible for manipulating and you were guilty of contriving this fake case. Uh, and you were saying, well, we could prove or disprove whether or not a presidential candidate was colluding with a foreign government. But the fact that we have this, these breadcrumbs, at least you could theoretically have accountability. These guys just said, well, we can do it because, because we can, don't, do not speak of the law to we who hold swords.
1: Yep, exactly right. And it's, I guess in a way, I'm a little more, uh, I don't know if perturbs the right word, but like looking back on history, it's like, it's like, okay, things were different today. We have different rules, different laws regulating how to get a wiretap, how to enter into somebody's home to plant a bug or to, you know, there's all sorts of things that the FBI has at its disposal that they can still do, uh, just with different approvals or, or, or. Another layer, I guess, of bureaucracy. And you know, I saw somebody in the chat say, okay, like something like post-9/11, what does it even take? Uh, like do, do judges even deny uh these type of things anymore, or something like that. And and basically the answer is no. So I'll just jump ahead a little bit, I guess. So in the wake of Cointel Pro being discovered in 1971, by 1975, so think now Martin Luther King, he's dead for seven, eight years by this time, and they start the church committee. And in the wake of the church committee, which I think it it came like another two years later, like their findings and their final report, one of the quote unquote fixes uh, for just getting the director of the FBI to go to the AG and say, hey, we really need to wiretap this guy. Uh, And then for the AG and his brother, who's the president, to be like, well, politically, we got to do it. Uh, So just give him the authority and, you know. And then, oh look, I'm convinced that he's a communist, so we're gonna tap his friend's phone too, and uh, basically bug his hotel room all the time wherever, whenever he travels, and yeah, just have open-ended surveillance on this guy just because we think he might be a communist because one of his friends is. Uh, so let's do that. Well, in the <laughs> wake by
0: association,
1: <laughs> I know, right? Like so, in the wake of all that in the church committee and all their findings and they, they found all sorts of other stuff. Like this is where we first learned of operation mockingbird. They don't mention it by name, at least in the open hearing uh, of open hearings of the church committee, because it was probably classified, but it has since come out that, yeah, that was and even from the church committee, these findings, it has since come out that it was even worse than they thought. But, um, one of the fixes was FISA, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, which we've talked about before. Because after nine eleven, that got enhanced even more. And so, sure, there are more rules in place. Uh, but guess what governs FISA? It's the FISC. It's the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. And I think it was two thousand fourteen. It was discovered that out of like thirteen or fourteen thousand uh, FISA affidavits, so. For, for those of you listening uh, to obtain a wiretap for someone that you believe is a foreign intelligence actor, you have to write up a FISA. It's similar to a title three, which we've talked about a little bit before, I think on one of the cases I had, or just in general, the process, you got to write a search warrant essentially for this, for either of these, a title three or a FISA. And that's how you get authorization to listen to somebody's phone calls. Well, the FISC out of like 14,000 warrants that they saw or FISA applications, because it's not a warrant in the FISA system. It's just an application. Um, it's w- similar. You have to you know, put in details of your case. But out of like 14,000, they only didn't approve like 35 of them. So it had like a 99.93% like approval rating. But then what we don't know is how many of those 35 got kicked back. And then the FBI agent or NSA agent or whatever they're called ends up like you know rewriting their information and then resubmitting it and getting it approved i bet you all 35 were and since 2014 to now 2024 10 more years who knows how many more have been approved we don't know because they keep it all secret cuz hey peasant your the information governing your national security is a secret
0: I, there was an instructor we had at quantico who had had a an application for FISA rejected and he was he talked to us it, it was such a thin case that they went back into the chambers with the the FISA judge, and the judge says, "Hmm, let's pull up the First Amendment and read it.
1: <laughs> How about <laughs> to that? make Thanks, sure judge.
0: that we're being we're we're adhering by the First Amendment? I mean, we're not talking about like the the code book that is thousands of pages long, and and well, can we interpret the law this way or that way? There's some gray area, there's wiggle room. Are we are we going to say that walking through the Capitol is the same as shredding tax documents? Oh, uh, maybe." Uh, obviously, the Supreme Court's going to rule on that soon. But this this was just uh, you you have a right to free speech, and this U.S. attorney this or somebody high up in DOJ had gone to the Fisk with a clear violation, and this judge was sort of uh, tongue in cheek admonishing him like, "Did did you not read the First Amendment?" That that was that egregious, and these guys. Having approved 99.9% of the, it, do you know how weak that case must've been?
1: Oh, it had to have been unbelievably weak for, for, for a Fisk judge, no less to be like, hey, you know what? I think you need a con, a con law 101 ref, refresher refresher, yeah,
0: a remedial.
1: And then yeah. think of this, Steve, now this guy's teaching new agents. <laughs> like the agent who wrote that thin Application for FISA. Now he's teaching new agents like, "Hey, just do whatever you can to try to skirt the rules. Maybe have a little bit more than I did in this case."
0: Yeah, and if you if you can't get it through the government, then just work around it. We'll deputize private industry. We'll we'll get the banks to to send us that information because we have an informant who works for them. Or we'll I just saw uh, uh, today that the FBI partnered with the Southern Poverty Law Center to develop a domestic terrorism response to combat domestic terrorism well we're just leaning on this expert organization that's a non-government actor to give us our best practices and yeah. clearly they're they know what they're doing uh, you know what's in- awesome about that
1: oh dude this is so awesome actually that you that you told me that because it makes me think of the catholic memo and how that analyst cited the southern poverty law center and one of the reasons that uh, product was so problematic from an FBI perspective is because at Quantico, you get taught not to use resources like the Southern Poverty Law Center because they are biased. And now today, fast forward, what's the FBI doing? Oh, they're teaming up with their partner in the the public sphere, the Southern Poverty Law Center, because now, a year from now, they're gonna say, well, yeah, the SPLC, they're very trustworthy. They're one of our partners. So of course we cite their information in our products. We and had not a, only.
0: We had a training video from the Southern Poverty Law Center in my academy. Oh, we really? had to watch it. And it was on domestic terrorism, and and they ranked the threats of domestic terrorism, and they said that uh, pro life activists were a greater threat than uh, Muslim jihadis. Mm, of
1: course, that makes sense.
0: <laughs> just like,
1: just like white supremacists are are the biggest threat
0: actor today, Steve. <laughs> can you say that with a red background? Wait, let me. Yeah. I can do that for you. Ready? Ready? <laughs> Ah, now I feel like I can give that speech. For those watching on Rumble right now, I can change my background. It's very magical. Sith Lord, Uh, Steve Friend,
1: white supremacist.
0: (laughs) and yeah, and what while I while I mention it, if you're on Rumble with us, thanks for joining us today on a Saturday. Uh, this is the American Radicals podcast, rumblecom amradpod. Give us a thumbs up and a follow if you're there. If you're following us on Twitter, uh, you can we stream it there live. Garrett's uh, handle is at gobactual, mine is at Real Steve friend. The show also has one at amradpod uh, and. Before we are wrapping things up here in the, in the final few minutes, I do want to make sure we acknowledge a show sponsor. As we told you earlier this week, the show now has our first sponsor, and that is True Earth. You can go to www.trueearth.co and you can use a promo code that is unique for this audience only. Amrad 24. You can get 10% off site wide if you order more than $80. You can get free shipping uh, if you have a garden and you want to have take uh, in some of their fertilizers. They have had amazing results. Uh, or if you want to go to the pharmacy route, pharmacy spelled with an F, you can uh, you can try some of the supplements that they have there. They gave me a goodie bag. Uh, I'm seeing some good results there from the the turmeric trio. The 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 pain and the inflammation that I'm experiencing. Studies have shown that that can actually uh, taking those that that mixture can help with the inflammation. I can tell you firsthand. Uh, in now in cold Florida today was in the 40s. Normally that's when the inflammation starts kicking in. I feel some pain. Didn't feel any this morning when I went out for my run. Uh, so I, I I endorse having experienced it firsthand. So you can go to TrueEarth.co. Use the promo code AmRad24 for 10% off. And I'll hand it back over to Garrett with his history lesson on the FBI versus MLK
1: back to the annals of history we go so i know i'm jumping around a little bit and honestly there's so much more detail in what was done and in the interim from like the mid 50s to even early 60s when they have mlk's phone tapped but um we're going to jump back to this this documentary from youtube and play one more clip from there
0: william sullivan and edgar hoover went through the tapes together The bugging team was told it had unearthed enough to destroy Dr. King. Hoover ordered a full transcript to be made and a summary to be hand carried to the White House. An internal memo suggests it was shown to Walter Jenkins, the White House Chief of Staff, and the President. I find it shocking uh, that the Bureau would do that, uh, that the Bureau would not only do that, but would go to the seat of government the white house and feel free uh, to sort of boast about it
1: so i find it shocking as well that they would go <laughs> to those steps but hey they did and it's i don't know it's uh it's just another example of how the fbi was off the rails then but it was all kosher because they had the approval to do these wiretaps. And we talked about the wiretaps a little bit already. Eventually, um, William Sullivan, who they mentioned in that, in that clip. And they mentioned this Jenkins guy who was a good friend of president Lyndon Baines Johnson uh, later on after JFK was assassinated. And so all these players in government are involved and they're all like, yeah, okay. You know, we do have to have this guy wiretapped and, and all these things, but it, it, the, it gets even worse. And, the the so they don't know for sure where this next memo came from it's not even a memo it's uh it's a letter that was sent to mlk and uh some people think it was sent by hoover himself some people think it was sent by william sullivan the number two in command and if it was by william sullivan others think that it was um directed by hoover to be written and sent and so uh Basically, what had happened is Hoover, not Hoover, uh, MLK gets a package in the mail, but he got it like a month late. He was like traveling or had speak engagements or whatever. So his his wife actually received it and it had a bundle of some of the wiretap audio. So it had some tapes and it, it was indicative of MLK's infidelity towards his wife who discovered this information before he did. And it had this letter and. I'll, I'll read this. I'm going to read the, the whole thing. I know it's small for those of you who are watching, but um, it says, King, in view of your low-grade, abnormal personal behavior, I will not dignify your name with either a mister or a reverend or a doctor, and your last name calls to mind only the type of king, such as King Henry Eighth and his countless acts of adultery and immoral conduct lower than that of a beast. King, look into your heart. You know you are a complete fraud and a great liability to all of us Negroes. White people in this country have enough frauds of their own, but I am sure they don't have one at this time that is anywhere near your equal. You are no clergyman and you know it. I repeat, you are a colossal fraud and an evil, vicious one at that. You could not believe in God and act as you do. Clearly, you don't believe in any personal moral principles. King, like all frauds, your end is approaching. You could have been our greatest leader. You, even at an early age, have turned out to be not a leader, but a dissolute, abnormal, moral imbecile. We will now have to depend on our older leaders like Wilkins, a man of character, and thank God we have others like him. But you are done. Your honorary degrees, your Nobel Prize, what a grim farce, and other awards will not save you. King, I repeat, you are done. No person can overcome facts, not even a fraud like yourself. Lend your sexually psychotic ear to the enclosure. You will find yourself and in all your dirt, filth, evil, and moronic talk exposed on the record for all time. I repeat, no person can argue successfully against facts. You are finished. You will find on the record for all time your filthy, dirty, evil companions, male and females, giving expression with you to your hideous abnormalities and some of them to pretend to be ministers of the gospel. Satan could not do more. What incredible evilness. It is all there on the record, your sexual orgies, Listen to yourself, you filthy, abnormal animal. You are on the record. You have been on the record. All your adulterous acts, your sexual orgies extending far into the past. This one is but a tiny sample. You will understand this. Yes, from your various evil playmates on the East Coast, too, and others on the West Coast and outside the country, you are on the record. King, you are done. The American public, the church organizations that have been helping Protestant, Catholic, and Jews will know you for what you are, an evil, abnormal beast. So will others who have backed you. You are done. King, there is only one thing left for you to do. You know what it is. You have just 34 days in which to do. This exact number has been selected for a specific reason. It has definite practical significance. You are done. There is but one way out for you. You better take it before your filthy, abnormal, fraudulent self is bared to the nation so that's a long letter basically just decrying everything about mlk and it it tries to play itself off as a a black person in the country contacting him saying you know basically alluding to somehow they got audio of him but dr king saw right through it and he's like oh this is the fbi uh and he was convinced that it was them trying to convince him to commit suicide. He wouldn't take the bait. Um, and I don't think the FBI released the tapes at the time. Eventually we learned about them later. And even this letter, it was, the FBI was, they wouldn't fess up to it being them, but it was eventually discovered, uh, by a lady who was, who was working. I forget her name. She wrote a book about MLK. She, she was working on the book. She got access to the national archives and going through the archives. She found this letter in Hoover's personal effects. So it's like, okay, well, obviously, this came from Hoover or Hoover's hand or from the FBI. Uh, but for years and years and years, the FBI were like, no, that wasn't us.
0: I, I think that we would have benefited as new agent trainees at Quantico, having been given, given that letter to read in training as a reminder that what can happen if the FBI goes off the rails. Uh, rather than what they, they gave us the little hour-long field trip to the memorial in Washington, which was you know obviously appropriate. But at the same time, I, I think that, that that should have been required reading for all trainees when they're trying to... St- the, the implication of the trip to the Martin Luther King Memorial is that the FBI, in some way, we can't really tell you, had some sort of misdeeds involved with, with the Reverend King. Um, but that letter was never presented to us. And there's no reason why that can't be put out uh, in school books. Well, why not? Why, why can't that ever come to light? You shouldn't have to do a deep internet dive uh, because that, that that's not coming up on a Google search as your first option for the most part.
1: Nope. Yeah. You got to go digging for that, you know, and, and you're not going to find these things out unless you keep digging and peeling back the layers of the onion. And it's like, OK, yeah, you're going you're to learn in school about his I had a dream speech and how he was this great uh, beacon of civil rights. And you're going to learn that the, the United States created a memorial for him in Washington, D.C. You're not going to learn all this evil, wicked, dirty, unrighteous, unjust behavior and actions by our own government. And I know people say, oh, that was the past. They're, they're not doing that anymore. Take a look, man. They, they've been doing it all
0: along why don't you watch uh, our last episode with R- Murtaza hussein where he's exactly. talking about how this has been going on he's been reporting on it for 10 years but that's just the last most recent 10 years so mm-hmm. it's not even ancient old history the farthest back that he went is 2013 when he began reporting on this sort of thing uh which is is absolutely disgusting because there's been no corrective action here taken yeah. and it's now as we've sort of drilled down on they have tools to do this to a greater extent they don't even need to leave their desk these guys had to actually walk down to the post office at the very very least uh, type out a physical paper burn after reading type of scenario now they just can sit in a cube and uh, poke someone in some sort of reddit chat room 4 chan and and see if they can can go after you and and who knows what's been going on i am fairly confident this sort of stuff happens regularly
1: yeah me too i mean yeah like you know you mentioned our last episode with Murtaza, like It has been happening since post 9-11. I'm sure as we do more of these history lessons, we'll get into other examples before 9-11 in between MLK and 9-11 and even earlier. uh, And since, um, you know, I would be remiss if, if, if I left out a, a scripture reference and you know what, I'll just let MLK do it himself. This also comes from his, his, I have a dream speech and uh it comes from amos 524 and so just play a short little bit of that oh we are not satisfied and we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream and from isaiah 40. i have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted every hill and mountain shall be made low the rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight And I mean, amen, amen to, to both, to both of those parts in his speech. And it's, it's really just a powerful reminder and example. And okay. Say what you want about his infidelity. Guess what? He's a sinner, just like every other human who's ever lived. Uh, that doesn't mean that the FBI should seek to destroy him and his his life and the the positive things he was doing for this nation and for his people and and honestly for all people in america um and guess what i'm a sinner too and i do things wrong all the time every day i sin i break god's law and god's command that doesn't mean that we shouldn't look to dr king and say uh, akin with amos 524 to let justice roll down like water and it still isn't. That, so that means we have to keep carrying the torch. We have to keep pushing forward. We have to keep, you know, carrying this message of truth and hope uh, that that he carried. Uh, while I was, you know, researching this episode and and even the the Substack I wrote last year, which shameless plug, lastline.substack.com, uh, and go go sign up for that. It's free, and you can also uh, read some of the stuff I, I've written about it. Other things I've touched on that we didn't even really cover today, but. Um, It's, yeah, you you have to carry this type of torch forward because when government is corrupt, when government is evil, it's up to the people to to rectify it somehow. I don't know how we're going to do that. I'm not holding my breath that the FBI is going to be dismantled, although it should have been dismantled when they wiretapped MLK's phones. It should have been dismantled because of the cases we talked about with Murtaza on Thursday. It should be dismantled for what they've done to whistleblowers. It should be dismantled for what they've done with the russia collusion hoax i mean you can point to countless examples that we just know of and there are probably dozens if not hundreds or thousands more
0: reform and corrective action is going to require more than just a few hour trip to the mlk memorial in washington dc certainly that has not done enough to impact the people who are currently there because they're currently engaging in the same wrong activities that we've seen for decades since the very origins of the of the fbi even before it was the fbi even though it claims that it was the fbi in 1908 it was a couple of decades after if they are willing to lie about that what aren't they willing to lie about you please did the shameless plug on the on the substack there needs to be a shameless plug of the www.the-dispendables.com i'll uh, bring that up here garrett uh want you to let the listeners know and, and what, what you got coming in
1: yeah you all saw you know you've seen my hat you've seen my hoodie uh shameless plugs all the time we're all merched up over here uh kyle was texting us our good friend kyle Seraphin. most of you probably know him by first name by now but uh he he was out of town for something i'm sure he'll talk about but he was wearing some of the merch and he said that somebody called him out and was like man you're all merched up and it's like yeah we're we're sponsored Self sponsored by suspendables merch, but uh, but yeah, get yourself a, a t shirt, a lapel pin, hats are out of stock. Sorry, um, someday maybe we'll have them back. But uh, sticker packs are, are hot, the the velcro PVC badge is pretty cool. Uh, but some of the same stuff, uh, still in stock. The Z special, the last line shirts, those are doing well. The ones with the, the flag on the back that says hold the line in the middle. We got the green line for the military, the blue line for the police, the red line for uh, firefighters and paramedics. So yeah, lots of stuff there. Get yourself some swag if you so desire. And I hope you do.
0: Excellent. And folks in the chat want to make sure we're thanking uh, a couple of Rumble Rants, DL Mega and, uh, and Keeley D. Uh, thank you very much guys. Very generous. And uh, we really appreciate, really appreciate that. Uh, it's completely unnecessary, but it's very much appreciated. And we really appreciate everyone out there for sharing uh, your your weekend with us every Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday at noon. Uh, that is where you will find the American Radicals podcast on rumble, rumble.com slash M pod. And uh, next week we've got, already got lined up. we got, uh, like I, I alluded to next Saturday, we've got J Mike Waller coming in and talk about his book. Have an interview set up with uh, with Todd Erzin, who is from the Steve Day Show on the Blaze. He's going to talk about his experience of being wrongfully arrested and how he fought that tooth and nail like a true suspendable, and maybe some more history. So a lot in store. We are thinking ahead, thinking over the horizon, folks. We want to make sure that we're giving you stuff that you uh, will can take with you as learning experience. And thank you very much garrett for uh, for this one today uh, it was it was great to, to hand this over to you it was very beneficial maybe when the fbi brings you back and reinstates you they can actually have you teach this course to the new yeah, people.
1: yeah that would be you know what maybe i would go back for that let me <laughs> teach this, this portion and let me uh proctor those those trips to the holocaust memorial museum and mlk's memorial uh you know i i didn't even get to his assassination uh, there is more trickery and uh, tomfoolery afoot with the FBI in that regard. Maybe we'll cover down on that next year at this time.
0: Part two, definitely. And we have to look for the anniversary of it. This was uh, all about uh, MLK's his impact, which is the the I Have a Dream speech is the most iconic portion of it. So thanks, folks. We will see you next week. Enjoy your weekend.
1: listening to the voice of the suspendables on the american radicals podcast follow us on rumble.com/amrad